You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. I'm glad to be here with you guys, and we are tying down our Advent series tonight. I, I want to encourage you, if you're going to go home and open presents tonight, take time as a family to read the Christmas story before you open your presents. Or if you've already opened your presents, or if you're going to do it, you can do it tomorrow. If you've already opened them, tomorrow before you eat, sit down and read the Christmas story together. Um, there's, two, two, there's two versions of it. There's the Matthew 1, and then there's Luke chapter 2. Okay? Um, you can pick either one to read. Now, here's the thing. Parents, you decide which, uh, whether or not you're going to read it. Kids, you decide which version of the story you're going to read. Okay? Insider's tip here. Luke 2 is shorter. <laughs> I, you do whatever you want. But read, take time to read it. We, I want, I, I, this has been my favorite Advent of all the Advents that we've done. This has been my favorite one because uh, it feels like we've been really intentional about really focusing on preparation in the season as far as like taking each week and building on this piece of we don't just approach baby Jesus in a manger and hope that we figure it out and, and, and then be like disappointed when he's not like I didn't feel him. I didn't sense him. Like there's a process by which we um, we approach God and his presence. And, I, and that's important for us to know. And, and I want, I, I love Christmas. It's all good. I want you guys tonight, go home and eat until you hurt. And, and, then, uh, and then tomorrow, tomorrow, you're going to do the same thing, like eat too much. And I hope you get every present that you wanted. And I hope that you get to hang out with loved ones and friends and family and that that's amazing. And if you can't be with them, I hope that you get a hold of them tomorrow and just tell them how much you love them. Like I want all those things, all those good things that Christmas is, I want all that for you. I just don't want us to miss God with us. Like, that's what this is about. God with us. Now, we've been working through this temple metaphor. And um, it's really good for me because it breaks all the pieces down into digestible chunks. So the Advent season is broken into five weeks. We have hope and then uh, peace and then joy and then love and then the Christ child. Those are the five weeks of Advent. And what we've been doing is paralleling these five stages to the temple in how we approach God's presence. Now, again, I want to reiterate this. Every, every Jewish person, whoever was part of the temple system, they all acknowledged that God was everywhere. Like, God's everywhere. Okay, God's everywhere, sure. But when it comes to the temple, like, God is uniquely there. Like he lives there. Yeah, he's everywhere, but he's, he's there special. That's, that's a special place. And so there was this process that they used. So I want to throw the diagram up. Let's go ahead and throw this. Is the diagram. Apparently it looks like a basketball court. I didn't know that. Um, noted. 
for the next time. But this has been our process. And so we have week one, we talked about these curved steps where the rabbis would sit and teach. And we talked about how prophecy teaches us that God's promises are secure. Prophecy teaches us that we can hold on to the truth of what God says. And because of that, that gives us hope. Even when life is a mess. And for them, life was a mess when Jesus showed up. And for you and I, many of us, our life has got messes in it too. And so then we go to the altar, which is this place of confession. And at our altar, we meet a God who's not standing there with his hands on his hips or his arms crossed. He's not scowling at you. He's standing there with open arms saying, I'm so glad you're here. And because of that, because of meeting that kind of a God, we have peace. And then we went to the porch, which is the place of repentance. That's the place where we recommit to uh, walking the path that God has given us to walk. This is what repentance is. And, and I want to be clear about that because a lot of people confuse confession and repentance. They're not the same thing. Confession is where we confess our sins. Repentance is where we recommit to get back on the path. When we walk the path, when we're resolved to walk the path, the burden has been lifted, the guilt, the shame, the, the, the feeling of disappointment that we carry, that's all gone. And because of that, we have joy. And then last week, we talked about uh, the holy place, which is where we consecrate ourselves to the Lord and to his mission. This is where we set ourselves apart. What we talked about last week, and this is critical, is that the Bible teaches very, very clearly that the proof the evidence that you and I are set apart for God's work is how we love one another, period. Like, end of story. There's no, that, that's the test. That's the quiz. That's the, the, that's the whole syllabus. If you're going to take that college course, there's only one answer, how we love one another. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Dan, here's the deal. It's really simple. It's not easy, Right? Sometimes it gets pretty complicated. <laughs> and people are meaners. And, um, you know, if everybody would just do what I tell them, everybody would be a lot more loving. Or at least I would be. And so it's, it's, it's hard, but that, like, that's the mark that we're set apart. Now, that means because of these four weeks where we've prepared ourselves, we are ready to go into the holy of holies. Like, we should be stoked about that because the presence of God is there. The inner sanctum to any temple, the inner sanctuary of any temple in the ancient world, this is the most sacred of spaces. And these buildings, these temples that are built, whether it's for the God of the Bible or it's the God of any other uh, part of any other culture's pantheon, the, the holy of holies makes a statement about what your God's like. And so what they wanted to do was to dazzle you with the holy of holies. You think about, uh, this is even influenced, um, like in church history, you think about buildings that were uh, built during the medieval times, like cathedrals that were built as the, the architecture makes a statement about who our God is. Going to Westminster Abbey, nothing wrong with the building, but you walk into it and you're like, whoa, this place is something. 
And it's all design, all the architecture, and this is true of, of Catholic cathedrals in general, it's all designed to pull your eyes up. It wants to, to focus you on the bigness of God. That's, that's what the architecture is designed to do in church history. I went to, uh, the, in Istanbul, the Hagia Sophia. Uh, largest dome ever constructed. It's 110 feet by 115 feet. The staggering piece about that is that it's 131 feet in the air. To this day, architects cannot reproduce it. When they go, how'd they build that and get it all the way up there? They go, like, Crazy! This building is crazy, uh, massive, um, and it's where uh, the fourth and, or excuse me, the fifth and sixth ecumenical councils were held. Which, if you know anything about church history, that's a big deal because that's where they decided. In that building is where they decided Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Like he's in that building, and I went and stood in that room where they actually had that conversation and made that edict, and I shouted. There's other people because I, I was frustrated by that statement. Well, what's what part of Jesus is God and what part of him is man? Oh, he's 100% God, 100% man. So I stood in the room, no joke, and I shouted. I was like, "That's a cop out. You guys copped out." And then everybody was looking at me. I was like, "Sorry, sorry, sorry," but like in the, the walls, gold leaf, literal, real gold leaf mosaics. On, on a somewhere in the neighborhood of 113,000 square feet of building, all of it, gold leaf mosaics on the walls and the pillars. I mean, it's, this is the way temples are built. Because when you build a temple, you want the temple to make a statement about who your God is. So where you meet your God is really important. Where this God desires to show up is really important because the, this is making a statement about the power of the God and the authority of the God. And, the, and our job, essentially in the, in the Western world, our job is to make the gods happy so that they don't hurt us in some way. That's our job. We want to make the gods happy. So we want to build them a nice building and we want to go in and pay homage to them and do whatever they want times two or three because we really want their blessing. So where God wants to meet us is important. And I think that's particularly critical for where our God wants to meet us. The holy of holies, where God comes down to dwell with us. Let me show you a picture. It's here. You remember this from last Sunday, right? This is the place where God wants to meet us. It's a cave. It's nasty. It's not sanitary. It's this cold, stark, dank, nothing of a place, no significance, no flash, no glitz, no wonder. This is where God wants to meet us. And that makes a really important statement about what kind of God we're serving. This isn't a God who gets all blinged out. He doesn't. I don't even know. I used to be able to know. Papa's collar. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't. He's not like Justin Timberlake, right? As long as I got my student time. Like, he doesn't do that. God, uh, that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve wants to meet us in a cave with a floor of sheep manure. 
It's not pretty. But it's important for us because that's where our God is. Now, yeah, God's everywhere. Sure he is. God's everywhere. But God wants to meet you in the caves of your heart, in the dark, not pretty places, not flashy, not glitzy, the broken places of your heart. And the problem for a lot of us is we don't want to meet God there. We want to meet God where we want to meet God. Look, God, I'm all clean up. I put on a suit and tie. Look at me. Now, I did a social experiment with you guys and uh, did it with first service too. Um, proved to be true, both services. Um, there's a whole lot of people that looked at me and they were like, oh my goodness, Aaron, you clean up nice. I'm like, I'm, I must be hideous without. <laughs> now, before I go any further, let me say that I, I understand I understand that the odds of seeing me in a suit is somewhere between space aliens and a Sasquatch riding a unicorn. Like, I get that the odds are slim. I get it. But here's the problem. When we get all slicked up and cleaned up to deal with life, we never, we never get to deal with the real stuff. And I'll give you a perfect example based on my little social experiment. You know how many people tonight have said, oh my goodness, they've made some kind of mention of my suit? Over 400. I'm not joking. That's not an exaggeration. Maybe six or 700. You know how many people have asked me how I was doing? Not very many. Now, after I said that first service... Everybody was like, how are you doing, Aaron? <laughs> that doesn't count. So none of you come out of here tonight and be like, how are you doing, Aaron? Don't even, don't even. <laughs> don't even do that. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. And I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just saying it's proof of what I'm trying to tell you. When we try to show up veneered in our life, we don't deal with anything real. And God's over here going, look, I got some, there's some caves in your life. There's some dark, messed up places in your life. That's where I am. You can meet me here in your brokenness. That's where I am. And we're over here like, but check me out, God. Look at me. I put on a suit. I look good. Um, and God's like, right. I don't want to meet you there. I want to meet you here. And we're like, but God, check me out. No, really, check me out. And God's like, I see you. I want to meet you here. Right? Like, at some point, we've got to understand that the holy place, the holy, 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 sacred inner sanctuary place where God dwells in your life isn't in the plastic pieces of you. It's in your brokenness. It's in your mess. And we spend so much energy trying to avoid all that stuff. And the advent is a story of God saying, I'll meet you there. I'm not gonna, it's the fixed parts of you, that's wonderful. The parts that you have all figured out, that's wonderful. But those aren't the parts that God wants to meet you in because it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. 
It's what Jesus said. So I want to read a passage of scripture tonight, uh, one that you've often heard at Christmas. You probably never heard this read at Christmas, maybe never heard it read at all. But what I want us to pay attention to is where does God meet people and where does God oppose people? So I want to, we'll just read it. We'll pull out a couple of points along the way, but I kind of want to let the scripture stand as on its own. It's a fun passage for Psalm 34. It's just a Psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech. So you know, this is going to be awesome. Who drove him away and he left. Here's what it says. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Where did God deliver him from? All his fears. So where did God meet him? In his fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. What kind of man called that the Lord heard? Poor man, he didn't have it all together. He saved him out of what? Which means he has to be in his troubles when God shows up. He doesn't have to stay in him, but he's in him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Now, here's the deal. This is something that you can do, right? A lot of stuff that the messes that, that we're in in our life, we don't have control over a lot of them. Some stuff people did to us, wounds we carry. But you can control what comes out of your mouth. You can control that. And that's what he says. You want to have long days? Shut your mouth. <laughs> there's, a, there's this ancient Chinese proverb that goes like this. It's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove any doubt. <laughs> that's a Christmas message. <laughs> Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. So are the righteous going to be crying out to God? Of course they are. Of course they are. Just because you live rightly doesn't mean your life's going to be all awesome. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from what? From the troubles. Like, but they're in your troubles, but God delivers them out when they stay righteous. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Where does God draw near to? Those who are brokenhearted. Hear, hear that. If you find yourself in your life crushed, oppressed, pushed down, you should probably start dancing. 
Because now you're in a position where God shows up. These are the kinds of places where we experience God with us. The righteous person may have many troubles. I, I so you can scratch that may out and put will. The righteous person will have many troubles. But the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. And the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Here's my point. The advent, the arrival, this preparation that we've been going through, this commitment to his mission is about us allowing God to meet us in the stables, in the caves of our life, and then loving people in a way that invites them into that same truth. This is who we are. This is not about right theology. It's not about right doctrine. It's not about getting all your ducks in a row. It's not about trying being able to pass the new Christians class. This is about choosing to live a life that loves people well. And that's hard. But it's cool. And if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, you're going to be forced to deal with the junk in your own heart because you can't love people well when you're packing around your own emotional brokenness. You gotta be committed to mining that out and let it be healed. So I'm so thankful that you guys chose to take a little bit of your family time and spend it with us. And I hope you guys have a great couple of days here coming up with your family, hanging out and all that stuff. But more than that, I really hope that you choose to start getting honest with God about where you're your own spaces are where you need him to show up. And I, I hope that you have the courage to press into those spaces and watch him show up and do miracles in your life. Have a great week. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.